Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco, and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Be sure to follow and subscribe on your platform of choice, including Megaphone, Apple, Spotify, and Google. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Before we get tonight underway, I just want to wish you folks a wonderful Happy New Year. It is currently New Year's Eve, and if you plan on going out and celebrating, please be sure to uh, drink responsibly and, you know, have a designated driver, take an Uber, use a Lyft, whatever you need to do to make sure that you get home safely, because your safety is the most important thing in this world, and uh, we love you, and thank you guys for supporting us and listening to us. As for tonight's topics, we've only got two things I'd like to cover. Um, The first is a recap of this evening's Winnipeg Jets game against the Colorado Avalanche. And then after that, we're going to talk about some New Year's resolutions, some things I'd like to see Winnipeg actually work on fixing. Though, you know, that's a resolution. How often do we break those? Literally all the time. Speaking of breaking New Year's resolutions, I guess Winnipeg has broken its own losing streak against the Colorado Avalanche. You might think that the Jets were actually good in this game, and oh, let me tell you... Oh my goodness, Winnipeg was so bad. I'll be honest with you, it's a broken record to say that the Jets play pretty poorly, especially against teams with a lot of speed. The Avs have loads of speed to spare. Um, That's like their defining attribute, because the rest of the team surprisingly kind of has average underlying results. When their goaltenders are healthy, they can be good. I mean, um, Philip Grubauer at times has been magnificent, although this year it's been a little bit up and down. Their defense is, I mean, it doesn't really defend. It does score a lot, which is nice, but um, as far as actually defending and and limiting chances against, the Avs really don't do a whole lot of that. So it kind of comes down to what exactly do the Avalanche do really well, and if you need really any sort of answer that isn't Nathan McKinnon, then you're probably looking up the wrong alley. I don't really have much to say about Nathan McKinnon other than that he's probably one of the greatest players I've ever sat through and watched. Like, each and every shift that Nathan McKinnon takes, there's just something amazing that's going to happen. This dude, over the past couple of seasons, in in lieu of McDavid not really being able to play in the playoffs, has been our substitute McDavid. And even even McDavid would probably be impressed by the stuff that McDavid is like alter ego, which is Nathan McKinnon, kind of pulls off. McKinnon is definitely not the same player as McDavid, um, not even close, but... McKinnon is just such an explosive, fun player all on his own. Honestly, like, when McKinnon just starts rolling and getting up to speed, I don't know that there's any other player really that can take over a game quite like he does. Part of it is that he just has one of the most explosive, insane skating strides that I've ever seen. Um, you, you know, you can cover him and try to match him, but as soon as he gets an inside step, or even even if you're level with him, he's just gone in, like, two seconds, maybe even less. One time in tonight's game, he straight-up greased uh, Tucker Pullman and just totally left him for dead, totally dummied him, and there was nothing Pullman could really do. McKinnon just blew by him for, like, a breakaway, uh, and it was kind of a miracle that it wasn't a goal against. But I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. You probably want to know what actually happened in this game. Um, And the long and short of it is that Winnipeg basically got smacked around a bit by a really good Avs team um, that, for some reason, really wasn't able to finish on a lot of opportunities. I say for some reason, and that particular reason tonight was Connor Hellebuck being just absolutely sensational. Despite the fact that Hellebuck surrendered four goals, uh, he was easily my first star of the night. The Jets basically did nothing for long stretches of this game, um, and totally let the Avs walk in on the slot like it was a welcome mat. 
The Jets also took a number of penalties, and yeah, okay, like the Avs PP this year hasn't been all that great, but yeah, you know, you've got McKinnon, Rontanen, Landeskog, Kadri. I mean, these guys are all really good scorers in their own right. The last thing I want to do is watch them, you know, basically bully the Jets PK, which is already bad. It was actually worse than I thought it was. It's at 73%. Um, so that's that's really not good. Uh, and when you have all those guys who can pass and score, you're just you're just asking for trouble, even giving them a sniff of an opportunity. Ironically, though, Winnipeg ended up being the first team to break the ice. After kind of getting hammered for a good bit to start the game, uh, Blake Wheeler ended up having a really nice give-and-go between him and Ehlers and Roslovic. I honestly didn't even see the shot go in when it first was uh, called a goal. It was a nasty little wrister from Wheeler, which he's done a couple of times this season. So, pretty nice goal. Um, but then just a few minutes later, Nate McKinnon did Nate McKinnon and scored. Because it's Nate McKinnon, that's what he does. It's not like the Az really didn't deserve it either. By the end of the first period, they'd outshot Winnipeg 17-8, to which is, oof, oof, pretty rough, man. Yikes. Thankfully, Hellebuck has been a ball this season, and again, he was very good tonight after a couple of games in the past week where he was a little bit off his, off his regular uh, performance level. Dude had to be real sharp because the Avs just kept dominating for almost the entire game. Um, but in the second period, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor both uh, ended up recording some nice goals. Um, McKinnon also scored again on the power play, but was, somehow the Jets were still in the lead. Like, I don't understand. Hellebuck was fantastic. Um, and the, the the third goal that Winnipeg scored, I think, was just like a minute after after McKinnon had tied it from like a, a defensive lapse, and Shifley finds himself alone in the low slot, which, if you're the Avs, you really can't let that guy just be completely unmarked. Not good, Colorado, not good. And then, of course, as the Jets are wont to do, towards the start of the third period, uh, they took another penalty, and Gabriel Landeskog did not miss. Um, in this case, what happened was Kyle Connor took a double minor, which... Man, Kyle Connor, when he's not scoring goals, is not the most effective forward. Like, the double minor that he took where he, he drew some blood from Sam Girard, I mean, it's accidental, but, like, he was having a rough night. Um, but not long after that, he then scores a power play goal and then completes a hat trick just a few minutes later. I I really don't get it, man. Like, Kyle Connor is really good at scoring goals, but he struggles with so many other things away from the puck. Like, I'm not going to complain about getting a hat trick, but jeez, man, some of the stuff that he was doing tonight just wasn't very effective. But at least he is really good at scoring goals. That's his primary function, um, and that's what he seems to be comfortable doing, so we'll take that. Winnipeg did get a couple of uh, insurance goals from Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers on, on empty netters, um, but they also ended up conceding a goal to Nazem Kadri, and I think Josh Morrissey basically just decided, screw it, I'm not really going to chase this down. Um, and he owes Hellebuck a beer or two, because that was just not nice. Hellebuck, I don't think, was anticipating that Kadri would just completely come in unmarked and try to rush out to challenge it, and that didn't go so well. Despite being outshot something like 43-26, Winnipeg ended up winning 7-4 because hockey's stupid and the universe is going to eventually end in heat death, but not before Connor Hellebuck makes a few more saves. What a bizarre way to close out 2019, huh? Pretty fitting end of the game, I have to say, but also one of those things where it's like, I enjoy the win, but I'm also annoyed, if if that makes sense. On my list of annoyances, we also have to talk about some New Year's resolutions for the Winnipeg Jets, because there is a long list of things that they need to work on. I think my first one that I would like to talk about is the fact that the Winnipeg Jets cannot defend to save their lives, which we already knew. So, how exactly do we fix that? 
Um, and I think the first step is Winnipeg getting some puck-moving defensemen and forwards. Right now, Winnipeg's defense has very little foot speed, and the guys who do have foot speed aren't really defensively attuned. Uh, you basically have Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, who are the best skaters. I guess Tucker Pullman technically sits in that realm, but he's really bad at everything else right now. You have an interesting hodgepodge of uh, depth defensemen that I'll, I'll kindly say it in those terms. Um, Lucas Abisa, uh, Anthony Boteto, Nate Beaulieu. All these guys are not really capable of moving the puck. Um, they're mostly there to block shots and hopefully make a pass or two. The problem kind of lies in the fact that Pullman, Morrissey, and Pionk are not really capable of carrying the rest of the load for this team. Frankly, the only one who should be expected to be in that realm of conversation is Josh Morrissey, and he's been very much not himself this season. Um, so, you know, Winnipeg's defensive options are pretty limited, which means that they need to make some kind of trade um, or call up Sami Niku and look at getting some guys like Dylan Sandberg in sooner than later. I can only watch Winnipeg at even strength and on the special teams continually butt-fumble the puck into the back of the net so many times before I absolutely lose my mind, because they have a habit of doing that a lot. 95% of it probably stems from the fact that the Jets just don't have anyone who can carry the puck out of immense pressure, or even an ounce of pressure. Basically, any kind of pressure, the Jets completely collapse. Um, they start, you know, becoming static pylons in the defensive zone. Yeah, not a good mixture. Winnipeg has conceded a lot fewer goals than it should have, generally speaking. Connor Hellebuck has been absolutely immense for this team, but it's really unrealistic to expect him to keep doing this. For me, he's the easy Vezina pick this season because no one else is dragging their team through hell and back to, to get him into a playoff spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, what, 35 games or so into the season? Hellebuck can't keep doing this forever. The team needs to give him support as much as it can. Even simple things like clearing the crease or just getting the puck out of the defensive zone or at least a few more feet away from Hellebuck would be a, a great start. The Jets constantly look confused in coverages, and the forwards have no idea what to do when the defenders and defensemen on the back end really don't do anything. That kind of leads into my next New Year's resolution, which is to please, for the love of all that is good and holy, fix the PK. I do not know how to even start with this, because Winnipeg just doesn't have the personnel to really fix the PK to begin with. Um, but maybe a start would be to stop putting guys like Logan Shaw, uh, Gabriel Bork, and, and Kyle Connor on the PK unit to begin with. I, I get that you need to give your depth forwards and depth defenders some ice time and that you have to use them to, to balance out everyone else, but seriously, Winnipeg's PK unit just stands around and gets scored on all the time. The Jets are literally sitting at like 73% on the season, which is completely unacceptable. I don't care what this unit is comprised of personnel-wise. The Jets have to find a way to give their goaltender some support when they're down a man. They basically might might as well not even bother killing the penalty at this rate, because the, the opposing teams are just going to walk in and score anyways. Over the past couple of weeks, the PK has actually surrendered even more scoring opportunities and goals on those opportunities, too. So, yeah, it's really a rough situation at this point, because Winnipeg's offense can't outscore all of the defensive issues that they have, both at even strength and on the penalty kill. It's not like the power play is exactly exempt from this either. For some reason, the Jets keep on putting Patrick Laine in the low slot, which I, I don't understand. Laine exists to sit in one spot on that power play. He can totally sit in the Shifley spot too, but that's not where he's most effective. And then you don't have Shifley in that spot where he's also the most effective. You need to have Laine in the left wing one-timer spot where Ovechkin plays. That's where Ovechkin always is, and that's where Laine should always be. Mark Shifley needs to be sitting in the center low slot, 
or he can also either be a distributor, a decoy, or a scorer himself. There was nothing wrong with that combo when the Jets were in the playoffs and on a Stanley Cup parade march route um, during the 2017-2018 season. That that team with that power play unit was virtually unstoppable. Um, and so I just don't understand why you'd come away from that. Neil Pionk actually starts passing to line A a lot more too on the power play, but the issue is the passes are really slow. Pionk needs to give that thing some mustard, man. Like, if line A doesn't get that puck within a half second or two of that first pass, the goalie's going to have the read every time, and I'm sure line is frustrated himself. That pass takes a full second or so to reach line A, and by that time, the, the goalie's already had the read and the puck is going to be stopped because line A himself has to initiate the shot and release it, and there's there's too much of a lag time between that and the puck getting on net. It's the same issue that the Jets had with Truba, where he just really wasn't fast enough, and his passes and, and timing were just blech on the power play, not good. So, I <laughs> I don't know, Pionk is trying. It's obvious that he, you know his preference is to just shoot from the point or, or from a lower point area um, between the hashes to generate power play offense, which he is effective at. But if you want to get the most out of your top power play unit, Pionk's got to option line A a lot sooner and a lot quicker than he is right now. The top power play unit is starting to look a little bit more respectable, and it's definitely been a lot more dangerous over the past couple of games, but it's still got a ways to go. The penalty kill unit, I don't even know if that's going to be something that can be resolved this year. I'm thinking no, because the Jets just don't have any defensemen to call up who can fix that or or um, fit a defensive-minded role. Heck, you could probably put three forwards out, like, you know, Nick Shore in place of a regular defenseman or something, and it'd probably work better than what the Jets are doing right now. I mean, put Lowry in one of the defenders' places and have, like, Shifley and, I don't know, somebody else try and kill the, you know, third penalty kill player spot. I mean, it doesn't, at this point, it really doesn't matter. The Jets don't have enough defensive skaters as it is, so you might as well start plucking from the areas where you do have um, more defensive two-way players that can transition the puck and get it out of the defensive end. My final New Year's resolution is for Winnipeg to win the Cup. This is fairly obvious because, well, what else do you play hockey for except to try and win the grand trophy that everyone says is the hardest trophy to win, even though I don't know if that's actually true. Who knows if it is? I don't know. Yeah, Can somebody prove it? I don't know. For the sake of the holidays, yes, let's just assume that this trophy is like the most impossible thing ever to win. Um, and in Winnipeg's case, the the, cl- the hill climb to get to the, the Stanley Cup is going to be pretty brutal. Um, it's going to be difficult for the Jets to even make the playoffs. Um, Connor Hellebuck is basically going to be the reason that the Jets either do or don't make it. And when I say that he's going to be responsible for if the, even if the Jets don't make it, it's because he can't mask this team's defensive deficiencies forever. Um, And Winnipeg has so many issues um, and shortcomings that Hellebuck has thus far covered up marvelously. Teams with great goaltending and not much else usually don't find a whole lot of success um, during the regular season. And if they can pull it off in the playoffs, they're very fortunate. Uh, What the Jets do kind of have the advantage of is playing the same teams, getting comfortable, um, and then, you know, a goalie on a hot streak during the playoffs can be all the difference. Jordan Bennington really wasn't that great when he uh, went on his heater, but it, it still was enough to get the Blues to the Stanley Cup Finals and then to the eventual title. 
I think Flurry was probably a better example of this. I mean, Flurry basically stonewalled the Jets while every single mistake that Winnipeg made in the 2017-2018 playoffs ended up in the back of their net. Very frustrating because the Jets at times outplayed the Knights, but still ended up losing anyways because hockey's cruel and that's how it goes. If Winnipeg, you know, solves all of the issues that it has, like a really leaky PK unit and some defensive help on the back end, maybe they could do something like make some noise in the playoffs, but I'm not really holding my breath. I think it'll be great for the Jets to even make the playoffs in the first place, um, but I don't have any expectations beyond that. I think the Jets are so weak at this point um, that, you know, it's just it's hard to say if they can really make any noise or, or even make the playoffs. They need to create more offense than they are right now. That's the first thing. Take some chances. Give a few more scoring opportunities up. It's not like this team can get that much defensively worse than it is right now. Winnipeg continually gets caught on very simple plays, line changes, um, missed passes, bad clearances. You name it, it's probably happened to Winnipeg this season. So all that being said, take some more risks. Maurice needs to open up the playbook and go for a more offensive-minded style. Unchain this team and let the speed that's naturally embedded in the forwards take over for everyone else. Hellebuck can't be the only one to cover up this team's deficiencies. The forwards have to be given the room and the freedom to do what they do best. And that's put a lot of pressure and an aggressive forecheck in the other end of the ice. The Jets are capable of doing this. They've shown us this against the Carolina Hurricanes. They've done it against the Haz at times. They did it against the Blues for stretches of some of their losses. Winnipeg can be a very good team when the forwards are allowed to do uh, what they do best, and that's attack. If they're not, and they're forced to sit back and absorb pressure, the Jets totally collapse like a house of cards. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if the Jets are really going to solve any of these issues. I, Like I said earlier, I'm not convinced that they can. Um, if they make a few savvy trades or waiver claims, maybe. You know, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen totally. Um... If they could bring in someone like Colin Miller, who could at least be some right-handed defensive help, um, and probably slot immediately into the second-pairing role, that'd be fantastic. I I'm not really sure that I'm ready to watch Morrissey Pionk as my top pairing. In fact, I'd probably have Morrissey Miller started off, but uh, this is what Winnipeg has to work with, so that's what we're going to go with. Until the era of Heinola begins in earnest, which it needs to happen sooner rather than later, we're going to be watching some rough, rough defensive ends for a while. And look, we've probably already seen the worst of it at this point. The only way it could totally get worse is if there are even more injuries than there are right now, which uh, I hope I didn't just jinx it. So here's to a better 2020. Let's hope that this year, for the re remainder of the season, the Jets find a way to make the playoffs, go really deep, have a great run, um, and maybe Connor Hellebuck gets himself a nice Vesna trophy. Please get the Vesna, because he deserves it more than anyone else in this league right now. And uh, probably get Patrick Linus some more goals. He's still not sitting at a particularly high total, even though he's got like 12 or 13% of our team's goals. Liney deserves more, and he needs to get more goals, because that's what he does best, and I enjoy watching it. I'm going to be selfish that way and say that that's what I want. Kyle Connor also learning how to defend for more than like two seconds would be fun. Maybe everyone else on the forward unit learning how to uh, win more battles along the walls would be helpful. Um, right now, Winnipeg doesn't seem to be doing anything like that in the defensive zone, that's for sure. So, yeah, there's a lot to work on and improve upon. Winnipeg's record looks pretty nice thus far, so I guess I'm going to limit my grousing and complaining. It's the New Year season, and it's a new decade, so we'll see what this next 10 years of Jets hockey brings us. I hope somewhere in there is a cup, because 
that's all we really want. Um, and with that, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow and subscribe on your platform of choice. Remember, it's free, no cost to you. And uh, thanks again for listening, and go Jets go!